0: So we're reading from Isaiah 40, verse 1 to 11. Please stand as we read the word together. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins, A voice of one calling in the desert, Prepare the way for the Lord, Make straight in the wilderness A highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, Every mountain and hill made low, And the rough ground shall become level, The rugged places a plain, And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, And all mankind together will see it, For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God stands forever." You who bring good tidings to Zion, go up on the high hill. You who bring good tidings to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up, do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and his arm rules for him. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. Thanks be to God. This is his word.
1: Well, how many of you are singing songs in your head right now? This is one of the most famous uh, passages in Isaiah and probably in the Bible to some extent. Uh, the first three songs out of Handel's Messiah come from this passage. Right? The first two tenor solos, comfort, comfort my people. You know, uh, that one, um, every valley shall be lifted up, every mountain and hill be made low. And, uh, and then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, the first choral piece in Handel's Messiah. So, this is our rather famous passage, and such a great passage as we come into the Advent season. A passage of comfort. And so, let's uh, turn our hearts toward God because He's going to speak to our hearts today. Lord, thank you for your word, <clears throat> thank you for the comfort that it brings to us. Thank you that you are the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our sorrows and in our weaknesses so that we can comfort others. But, Lord, it starts with you comforting us, and, Lord, we know that there are many today who need your comfort, uh, who need your closeness, who need to know that you're still in control as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and that you still care as a gentle shepherd. And so, Lord, as we come to your word this morning, we long to hear and experience the comfort that you bring. In Jesus' name, amen. Comfort, comfort my people, twice. (laughs) Anytime you see something repeated in Scripture, it's for emphasis and this first command. It's, it's, It's in the plural. It's calling on well some people think it's it's the heavenly host but it's just a broad sweeping thing comfort comfort y'all my people everybody comfort my people says your god now in in Isaiah's text so far like last week we were in Isaiah 64 and there was a lament right it was like that that's like 24 chapters later, Isaiah is going, How long, O Lord? Or the people are going, How long, O Lord? And all of the, this chapter here starts a whole section where God is just painting this beautiful picture of restored relationship with Himself, of, of the land restored, of the people restored, of, of blessing and sins forgiven, and, and everything made right again. And in 64, we get the people in the midst of a difficult situation in exile saying, you've painted this beautiful picture for us, God. How long until it happens? And I think that's the cry of our hearts too as we look at our world and the chaos that it's in and the pain that that is part of it in in the, the broader world and also in our individual worlds and we need to hear this opening of this whole section from 40 to 66. It transitions from Isaiah talking to different kings uh, about what's going on and what's to come to this beautiful poem, this beautiful hymn of comfort for the people of God. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem, And I really would rather we just took the, I don't know why we don't just translate this literally, speak to the heart. So literally in Hebrew, speak to the heart of the people. Cry out to her, your warfare's ended, your iniquity is pardoned, and she has received double from the Lord's hand for all her sins. Warfare ended, the stress, the strain, the strife, the the conflict over. Iniquity, those things, those violations against God are pardoned and she is received from the Lord's hand, double for all her sins. This could be a bit confusing. What does it mean? Like we sinned and God God paid us back twice as much against our sin? He punished us twice as severely? That, That might be, but one of the interesting things is this word for double is always used of blessing. It's it's always used of the double portion that the older son would get as in his his inheritance. It it could just simply mean it's completed. But but in the context of, of this, it seems that the warfare is ended, the iniquity is pardoned, and even though you have sinned, you are still on the receiving end of God's loving blessing as his children. His covenant faithfulness never ends. He reaches out to us with pardon and it is accomplished. Even though the, the, the prophet is speaking in the, in the present completed tense, this is, he is also seeing this as a completed action in the future. It's as if he's borrowing the hope of the future of seeing the completion, the ending of all war and the iniquity pardoned and the blessing of God come and he's borrowing from the future and he's bringing it into the present because this isn't the reality they're living with yet. And sometimes we need to borrow from that future. We need to borrow from the the end of the story where there is no more tears and no more crying and no more pain and no more suffering. And we need to borrow that hope from the future and bring it into our present because we need the comfort to know that the story doesn't end here. And there's, as my brother Abe says over and over, there's a party waiting for us. There's a hope that we can cling to. So comfort, comfort my people. Speak to the heart. The voice cries. There's there's so many verbs of speaking in this passage. The voice cries. The voice says cry. And then lift up your voice with strength. Verses 3 and 6 and 9. Each of these sections starts out with a a vocalization of praise or, or a question of what should be said. In the Hebrew text, uh, there's a little marker at the end of verse 2 and the end of verse 5 and the end of verse 8 and then at the end of verse 11 that tells us that these are closed paragraphs, that these are like stanzas. It's like, okay, next slide in the song, next slide in the song. And the first two verses just introduce us to this wonderful comfort that God wants to declare over his people that is going to continue throughout the book. All the way to the end, all the way to Isaiah 66. Over and over you will read the words comfort. A comfort is coming. A wholeness. In the, uh, George Knight's uh, International Theological Commentary, he says this Hebrew word is, is not just a comfort, it is to console, but to meet someone in their trouble and lead them into joy. From trouble to joy. That's the comfort that is happening here. And comfort, the, the, this Hebrew idea for comfort includes the notion of help put forth, especially when used of God. Help put forth, active working. It's not just a pat on the back. It's God meeting us and being with us in the place where we need comfort and we need his tender speech. Verse 3, a voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. In the desert, make straight his, a highway for our God. And this is the preparation. The preparation, a voice crying out saying, there, the, God is coming. Be prepared to welcome the victorious king. Now but back in, in in this day, this is before any real road systems were, were created. And if if a if a king was going on a journey to one of his other cities, he would send a group of workers ahead of him, and they would kind of they would fill in ditches and low spots and they just they'd create a bit of a pathway for the chariot, and it would be a fairly slow procession. You know, the Roman roads weren't built. This is you know hundreds of years before all of that but they would still travel around sometimes and and it would be a slow process, but there would need to be a lot of workers gone ahead of the king to prepare a way. And so this is the picture that Isaiah is using. And and he makes it even bigger. Every valley shall be lifted up and the mountains be made low so that there's even ground for, for the king to travel on the victory of God is coming, so be ready for it. The glory of God is coming and everybody is going to see it. This second stanza of the song is a, is, is a call to be prepared to welcome our victorious king because the war is over, because iniquity is pardoned, and because the blessing of God will never stop. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh We'll see it together. It is a visual experience. We'll see it. It will be revealed. It will be made known. It will be shown. And this is the eternal, stable Lord and King who is coming. So take comfort in the coming of the victorious King. Get ready for God's arrival. The Lord's arrival. Now it's it's interesting, and, and, um, and I think we, we need to we need to remember this as we read these words that John the Baptist says a number of times. All three uh, all three Gospels. Um, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all have it quoted from Isaiah in relation to John the Baptist's ministry. And then in John's gospel, he he himself, John the Baptist, speaks it. I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. And when you read that in in Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 3, notice that the Lord is in capital letters. That means the divine self-revealed name of God, Yahweh, covenant God of Israel is coming to you and the gospels understand this quotation is applying directly to Jesus Christ. That in him, the covenant God of Israel is coming back to his people as a victorious king even at the beginning of his ministry, not just at the end. The king is arriving And he is coming, and he declares the kingdom of God, the good news that we read about in verse 9. Mark chapter 1, it continues on that Jesus came, and and after his baptism, he went about proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. He heralded good news. He declared it. And so the king Is coming, and this is what Advent is about. He comes first in the manger, in the cradle. He progresses to the cross, and then He will come again when the kingdom of our Lord will be established forever and fully in the new heavens and the new earth. The glory of the Lord will be revealed, and everyone, all flesh, will see it. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Each of these verses ends with a declaration of God's sure word. So speak tenderly, speak to the heart of the people. Listen to the fact that the king is coming and prepare his way. And then cry out. A voice says, Cry. We don't know what's the source of this voice. Isaiah is just hearing this. Call out. And I said, what shall I call out? What shall I cry? And he's given this message. All flesh is grass, and all of its beauty is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flower fades. When the breath of the Lord blows on it, surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. The mouth of the Lord is spoken. The word of God will stand forever. In this message that that Isaiah is given to cry out, all flesh is grass and all its beauty. All its beauty. This is an interesting word. It is actually, the the root word is chesed. All its covenant faithfulness, its loyalty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall. What he's saying here is, is even the beauty of the field as you see the, 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 the grass on the hillside or the flowers. You know, I, I do a hike up behind our house in the springtime and you see all of these amazing flowers just popping up out everywhere, but they don't last long. Because summer comes around here and what happens? Everything that's green, if you're not watering it, turns brown, right? unless you're really close to a river or something like that, things dry up and they, and they brown out. And this is what he's saying. All flesh, all humanity is grass and all of its covenant loyalty, like the flowers of the field, we fade. We don't have the sustaining power to keep covenant with God. He keeps covenant with us. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flower fades. And we could take that literally, but the the context is he's talking about the people of God. The grass withers, the flowers fade. We aren't here for that long. 70 if God gives us strength, 80 according to the Psalms, right? We are here so quickly. Uh, James says, your your life is but a vapor, a breath. Here today, gone tomorrow. Ecclesiastes, we studied that a few years ago. Over and over said, your life is fleeting. Make the most of it now. And worship God and hold him as, as high as you can. Because we fade. And we really, we also fade, not only physically, but we fade in our loyalty to the covenant. But God's faithfulness goes forever. This is talking about the fragility of humanity and the stability of the divine. The eternal stable word. The mouth of the Lord is spoken, the eternal stable Lord who comes in victory. Get ready for his coming, verses 3 to 5, and then verses 3 to 6. We have the eternal stable word, for the word of our God will stand forever. Again, George Knight commentator says, in fact, the word is God, because it issues from the heart of God. This is his will made known in creative activity. See, when God speaks, things happen, right? Genesis 1, the mouth of the Lord opens and boom, creation. When God speaks, things happen. It's not just that he shares information. He shares his heart and he shares his power. And through his word, everything is made new. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Speak tenderly, speak comfort to the people of Jerusalem. The victorious king is coming, get ready for him. Cry out that the word of God will stand forever because our, our lives and our faithfulness to the covenant are so fleeting and fragile, but our, the word of our Lord, God himself, is eternally stable. So get up on the mountains and herald this good news. I think uh, we read from the NIV this morning. We saw on the screen the English Standard Version, and there's an interesting difference here in verse 9. Go up to the mountains, O Zion, herald of good news. Not speak the good news to Zion, but Zion is the herald of good news. The people of God, O Jerusalem, are the heralds of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up and fear not. People of God are called to announce the victory of God. The herald of good news. An announcement of victory accomplished. And bring joy to those who hear the message. And over and over we hear this good news in Isaiah 52 and 60 and 61 that we're to announce and proclaim the king is coming and the word of our God stands forever and this is comfort to our hearts. What are they to announce and herald? Verses 10 and 11. Behold your God. Behold, Yahweh Elohim comes with might. His arm rules for him, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. Behold the conquering king. Behold his majesty and the glory revealed and his power. Behold your God who comes as king. For unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Tell us where we can find he who is born King of the Jews. The King has come. Behold, he comes with might. Interesting. Because he comes in a cradle. And then he moves to a cross but it's all in preparation for the kingdom. Behold the king who conquers. Behold his majesty and glory and power. Behold your God. The conquering king, and then verse 11. More literally, and I think this is an important thing, as a shepherd, of his flock, he will shepherd them. And in his arms, he will gather lambs. And in his bosom, in his heart, he will carry them. And the nursing ones, he will lead. This verse in translation, of course, we have to mix things up because our Our English language doesn't like grammatical structures that sound like Yoda. Like a shepherd his flock, he will feed. The verb comes later. Normally in Hebrew, it's verb, subject, object. That's the way Hebrew generally works. This whole verse is backwards. Because the author is wanting to focus on who is acting, not what is being done. What is being done is important, but the who is more important. Who God is and who we are in relationship to him comes first because God's action is always relational. He is the shepherd who shepherds his flock. The translation changes the words here. He will tend his flock like a shepherd, but the, the verb and the noun are the same root word: the shepherd and the feeder of the flock, the one who the shepherding action. And in his arms, he will gather. And in his bosom in his heart the center of his being he will carry them now the verb for carry is always fun for me because it's one of the easiest hebrew words to remember because it means to lift up to to bear up to to carry to a new height and it it literally the root word is nasa so just think of a rocket going up (laughs) This is carrying up something into the atmosphere, into the heavens. And this is what God is doing. He is lifting up. He has taken us in his rocket ship to his party. <laughs> he nassas us. He carries us. He lifts us up. He will carry them, not in a rocket ship, but in his heart. He lifts us up in his inner being. The core of who he is, is to shepherd, to gather, to carry, and to lead us. He is the conquering king, oh yes. But he is a caring shepherd. Experience the care Behold the majesty. That that word behold is used over and over. Behold your God. Behold the Lord in might. Behold his reward is with him. But experience his care and compassion for you as he feeds you and cares for you and he gathers you and he carries you and he leads you. It's both. the transcendent majesty of Yahweh, God creator of heaven and earth, and the God who comes so close that he will tend and gather and carry and lead us personally. This is the ideal king and shepherd. And he comes in power for the vulnerable and he comes in compassionate closeness. He is our Sovereign and He is our Savior. He is our Redeemer and He is our Healer. He is the God who is for us, who is always relational. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Speak to the heart. The war is over. Your sin is forgiven. The blessings still come. The mouth of the Lord is spoken. The word of God will stand forever. Herald the good news. Herald the good news. The king is victorious, and the shepherd is caring. Let's pray. What does your heart need to hear today? What is the comfort that you need? Sometimes we need to behold the majesty and the transcendence and the almightiness of God. To know that he is in control and that even though the world is crazy, our sovereign Lord has spoken. And we know the end of the story, the fullness of redemption, the coming of our King to make all things new and to, to rid the world of evil and sin and death and sickness and war will be no more. And we long for the coming King. But our hearts also need to hear that this King is a caring shepherd who will lead us and guide us and carry us in his heart with his compassion, with his sustaining life that he gives us. What does your heart need to hear from the Lord this morning? Zephaniah 3, 14 to 17 says, Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgment against you. He has declared... And cleared away your enemies, the King of Israel. The Lord is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. On the day it shall be said of Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion. Let not your hands grow weak. The Lord is in your midst. A mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. Lord, many of us need to hear the sound of your voice singing over us. As your people and individually as your sons and daughters, to hear your voice singing over us, as a parent sings maybe a lullaby to a child who's struggling to fall asleep. We need your voice to sing over us. We need the comfort, oh the comfort, that comes from you. Some of us need to be aware that he rejoices over us with gladness. That we do not serve a God who is always waiting for us to trip up or is standing there with a big stick ready to smack us across the head when we mess up. He will rejoices over us. And the comfort we need to hear is that we have a God and Father who runs to us with abandon and joy when he sees us coming. He restores us as sons and daughters of the King not because we've got it together but because Jesus Christ made a way and he paid the ultimate price for every sin that I have committed and every wrong word I've spoken and I can rest in his grace not in my works. The Lord rejoices over you with gladness. He quiets you with his love. Lord some of us need the comfort of A quiet heart that just rests in the fact that you love us. That you love us. And so in this season of busyness and clamor and clutter, some of it we have chosen and some of it's just the world around us, oh Lord, quiet us with your love. May we know the comfort of our coming King and our gentle shepherd. Behold your God, the compassionate King. What does your heart need to hear from the Father today? Lord, thank you that you speak through your word, that the mouth of the Lord has spoken, that the word of the Lord will stand forever. And may we from this place of wonder and awe that you came as a baby, lived a sinless life, faced the cross, to take away the sins that so easily entangle us and weigh us down, and divide us from relationship with you. And you've taken that away. And all we have to do is receive that gift by acknowledging that you are Lord and we confess our sins that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. While we were still sinners, God demonstrated his love for us in this, that he gave his son as a payment for the sin of our lives. There's no one righteous, not even one, no one who seeks God, no one who pursues him, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace. So Lord, may our hearts embrace the comfort that Jesus paid it all and all to him we owe. Sin has left a crimson stain, but you washed us white as snow. The mouth of the Lord is spoken. The word of our Lord will stand forever. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only sent from God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. This Advent season, may we stand in wonder the mighty King and the caring Shepherd loves us. It's in His name we pray. Amen.